Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon. Hello, everyone. Our guest today is Bobby Rubio. Bobby is the writer and director of the Pixar Spark Shorts, Float, which is a short animated film inspired by his relationship with his autistic son, Alex. Float is available for streaming on Disney+. Currently a story artist at Pixar, Bobby is known for his work on Hercules, Atlantis the Lost Empire, and Incredibles 2 which earned him an Annie Awards nomination for Outstanding Achievement for Storyboarding in an Animated Feature Production. Bobby is also the creator and owner of his independent comics and intellectual properties, Alcatraz High, Four Gun Conclusion, and Neighborhood Legend. In today's conversation, we discuss Bobby's journey of accepting his son's autism, the creative process for producing Float, the stigma of mental health within the Filipino community, and tips for parents whose children have received an autism diagnosis. In this episode, discover what's possible when a child can fly free. We appreciate your time. If you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to support our mission, please take just a few seconds to share it with one person who you think will find value in it too. You can also follow us on Instagram at autismpodcast Join our Facebook group, Autism Knows No Borders, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Global Autism Project. And now, I present you, Bobby Rubio. Hi, Bobby. Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Thank you for being here today. Hey, Rachel. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Could you please briefly introduce yourself? Hello, everybody. My name is Bobby Rubio. I am a Pixar story artist and also the director and writer of the Spark Short Float. And currently, I am working on the movie Lightyear, which should be coming out, I believe, next year. Oh, exciting. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be fun. We'll stay tuned for that. And Float was inspired by your son, Alex. Yes, that's correct. So let's start with your son. Tell us about him. How old is he now? He's 13 now. And he is very fun and cool kid. Of course, he has his little quirks here and there because he has autism. But he's my son, and I love him very much. And the short was inspired by our relationship. And what had happened was... When he was two and a half years old, when he was first diagnosed, I didn't handle the diagnosis well. Did you know what autism was at that point? I did. It's Well, you know what's funny is that um, not really, but you know when you start suspecting things and then the word starts popping up more clearly or, or more around you because you start picking it up more? Because now you're attuned to like that word. Yeah. I do remember when my son was first diagnosed. At the time, I saw a lot of, I think Jenny McCarthy was, her son was on the spectrum. And I saw she was constantly on TV mm -hmm. talking about it. And Holly Robinson. 
and also her son, and I, I believe Rodney Pete, her husband, wrote a book. And so there were little things here and there I, that started you know, coming into view to me. And also I was seeing a lot of Autism Speaks ads all over the place because it just seemed like more children were getting diagnosed. I believe at the time when my son was diagnosed, it was one in 54 kids. It might have been one in 86 and now it's one in 54 or something like that. Yeah, something like that. I remember there was a stat of one in 68. Maybe that's what you're thinking of. Oh, okay. This was almost 10 years ago. Yeah. What was that like for you, that moment that you found out something was different? Mm, It was shocking. It was heartbreaking and disheartening. And I was lost. And I went into a depression. Mm. And I'd never been in a depression before. Because I was usually this happy-go-lucky guy. And then here comes my life is turned upside down because my son got this diagnosis and he was acting different. Well, here's another thing. My son is a twin. He's got a twin brother, Will. Okay. And the thing is, I started noticing Alex was different because Will, his twin brother, was reaching all of his milestones. He was talking. He was pointing. He was looking at you. Meanwhile, Alex was still babbling. He wasn't pointing at all. And it got to the point where I thought he was deaf. Mm. And we had to take him in to... And I will say at the time, I'm I'm ashamed to say this, but at the time I was hoping that he would be deaf. Because to me, it felt like at least if he was deaf, I know how to tackle that. I've heard of that before. I, at least I thought I knew what I could do with that. And autism just seemed like a, just a vast range that it could be anything, you know? Yeah. And you're like, at least I could tackle deaf, I think. And that's why, well, that was my thinking at the time. I know that children who are deaf, I'm sure they have their own struggles that they go through. So I don't want to compare. I'm sure they don't at all. But I'd like to think that families in the special needs community at least can recognize one each other. And we know we we are going through our own struggles. Mm. And what's also good about the special needs community is not only do we go through our struggles, but we also go through our triumphs. And I think because of the struggles, the triumphs are, are so much more. Like you celebrate them so much more. You value them so much more. And I think families recognize that. We know. We know. We run into each other. I'm like, yeah, I know. I've been there. Right. So. You know, there's a crucial moment in the short film, and I hope I'm not spoiling anything by saying this. I don't know how much I can reveal, but for people who – haven't seen it, they can watch it on Disney Plus. But yes. there's this this moment in the film when the father and the son are at the park and you know, the father's having a hard time controlling his son and finally drags him away and says, well, he yells and he says, why can't you just be normal? Uh-huh. Was this inspired by a specific moment in your life? Uh, I've been in that situation and 
I mean, again, I'm ashamed to say this, but there was a moment when Alex was screaming and he was just, just being himself. It's my own fault that I took it that far. I think it was just because of liking the short as a building on frustration mm-hmm. that it, it just escalated to that point and it got to the breaking point. And although I didn't say, why can't you be normal? Like in the short, I mean, I just yelled at him, but like, um, I think that line is powerful in the short because I, it's the only thing that's said in the short and it says, encapsulates everything about what the father's thinking at the time and feeling at the time. And actually, you know, the subtext is it's not at, it's not, why can't you be normal, Alex? It's why can't I be normal? Mm. That's the subtext. He's yelling, why, why me? Why, why, why this? Why me? That's the subtext. But I mean, it comes across as he's yelling at his son, why can't you be normal? But really what he means is why can't I be normal? Mm. I wanted this life. I wanted this regular, typical life. And now it's this. And this father has to come to realize that this is his new normal. And this is what he's got to deal with. And he's got to come to love it and love his son and accept him and his son and everything to get back to a normal (laughs) status again. Yeah. His type of normal, his own version of normal. How did you finally accept your son's autism? It took years. It wasn't five minutes like the short. (laughs) (laughs) I will be honest. It took a long, it took a while. I went through therapy and I think therapy helped. I think time heals. I think also seeing my son progress and seeing all the triumphs that I've talked about that he has overcome. Because now my son talks. Now, he still is quirky, though. He's still working on his social interacting with other people. He still stems. But that's going to be him. You know, that's just him. And that's fine. It's really more me that has to accept that. Mm. And I think through the years, I have. I have accepted it. What are some of those triumphs that you're especially proud of? I am super proud that my son can ride a bike. <laughs> yeah, nice. Did you teach him that? I did. I did. And it took a lot longer than his brothers did. <laughs> but I taught him. And I am super proud of that. That moment when you finally let go, what was that like for you? <sighs> Uplifting, loving, a proud moment, happy moment. Yeah, a dream fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Because some things you think you check off like that ah, probably won't happen. I don't know if he's going to do A, B, and C. Because I don't, I want him to learn on his own time and have him do things on it. You know, if he could accomplish it, great. If he can't, then that's fine too. Yeah. But, I was starting to think bike, learning how to ride a bike was one of those, like, maybe it's not going to happen. But he actually did. He proved you wrong. He did. He did prove me wrong. And I didn't teach him, but he knows how to swim. 
And my wife actually made sure of that happening because I know in the autism community, it's very fearful of kids wandering off and going into pools or oceans and and not knowing how to swim. Yeah. That was one of the first things my wife took them to was to learn how to swim, especially when you're in California. So you're like, okay. Yeah. And so he knows how to swim. So how has your relationship with Alex changed since you accepted his autism? I'm more patient, although my wife won't tell, will say probably not that much more. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm more patient with him. I think I am trying to learn how to be a parent to him that's different from my other kids. Because there's a different way to interact with Alex than with the other kids. But also at the same time, love them all the same. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think those are some of the things that has changed. So he has a twin brother and you have other kids too? Yeah, he's got his older brother, Harrison, and his twin brother, Will. And so there's three boys. And it's great because when he was younger and we were still trying to get him help, he had his own built-in peer group mm-hmm. to you know, socialize and learn how to interact with because he's always with his brothers. So it was a blessing to have a twin brother that you can now have a peer to like gauge or you know, try to learn from social interaction and cues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like social skills, different kinds social of- Social skills, that's it, exactly. Yeah. Did he receive some services growing up? He did. We, luckily, we are in Oakland and- Oh, I used to live in Oakland. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're from, you are originally from San Diego, right? Because I used to live there too. Oh, wow. Okay, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I originally born and raised in San Diego, but uh, since I work at Pixar, I live in Oakland now. Okay. And our regional center, the East Bay Regional Center, who handled Alex's case, was wonderful. It's not like I had to wait years before he got services. He actually got services pretty fairly quickly, and we received them through Easter Seals, Mm -hmm. and they were wonderful as well. Was he getting ABA therapy? He was. He was. Not so much anymore, but in the very beginning, he was. He hated wearing clothes. <laughs> like, mm. And like we had to always like stroke him with uh, that, that comb so he gets used to... Right, the sensory brush? Yeah, the sensory brush. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember my wife would bring him to the gym often, and he would like go bounce around and try to, uh, again, interact with social other peers. So Mm -hmm. he had a lot of that when he was younger. So going back to the struggle you had kind of accepting your son's diagnosis and the years of denial and, you know, grief is a really common experience for parents who are dealing with receiving a diagnosis. So What was that like for your relationship with your wife? It was a very difficult and tough time. 
because my wife was actually she handled the diagnosis like a champ. She was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to give you a quick story, it was around Christmas when it happened, and I hid in my room in our bedroom under the covers and I remember my brother came over to visit and he's playing with his nephews and he's like, Hey Bobby, what's going on? Why aren't you playing with Alex? Why aren't you playing? Why aren't you out here? And I told him and he's like, but you still got to play with them. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) And so, and like, even my brother was cool with it. It was all me. But to make the story continue, the funny thing is we live in Oakland and we recently moved here and we recently added um, security sound system to the house. So if a burglar ever came in, alarms would go off. And so one night in my deepest, darkest depression, I'm laying there and the alarm goes off and my first instinct was to run into my son's room, to Alex's room. And I ran in there and I wanted to make sure that my son was okay. Mm. Because I love my son. I, No matter what, I, I love my son and I wanted to make sure that he was good. And despite my depression, I jumped out of that bed. And uh, what I found out was it was just the, the window just blew open. That's oh. all. And then it went off. <laughs> And but I'm grateful because it showed where my heart was. Right. And I knew that okay, I gotta get help. It's not that I didn't love my son. It's something's wrong. I just needed help to change my mentality and my way of thinking. Mm. So when you were given the opportunity to write and direct your own project, did you already have this story in mind? I did. I did. Because originally when Alex first got diagnosed, my wife saw that I was going through this trauma and she said, why don't you tell your story? Because that's what you are. You're a storyteller and you're a comic book artist too. So why don't you tell a comic story? And so I did. And people can see this also. I say this in the Disney Plus extras. If you look at this, you'll see I drew this cover. It was going to be a comic cover, and it was called Alex. And I believe the tagline was a special child and a father's journey, something like that. And it did have an image of a father standing in a field of dandelions and his sons floating. And so I had the idea of of that about 10 years ago. But I was so, so, so deep in my emotions that I couldn't complete it. And so fast forward. Uh, three or four years ago. I'm looking at my son. He's growing up. This story is gnawing at me. I got to get this out of me. So I started doing storyboards. I figured I'll just do a short, small short, and I'll do it animated after hours at work. And I was showing it around to people at work and my coworkers, and they were saying, you know, this is great. You should pitch it to Lindsay Collins, the producer of the Spark Shorts. And I showed it to Lindsay. She thought it was the perfect candidate for the Spark Short program. And so, you know, then it got made. So So we know that some visible autistic traits can be very noticeable, like 
flapping. Yeah, hand flapping, walking on toes, even echolalia, which is a form of vocal stereotypy. And in your film, the boy's special behavior is flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why did you choose this way to represent his autism? I First, I wanted it to be about difference, and I wanted it to be a metaphor. And since this is animation, I wanted it to showcase something that you wouldn't see in live action. Just So visually, I wanted the kid to be different from other kids. And visually, if you have a floating kid, that immediately makes him different from other kids. Yeah. And I'm glad you asked this question because people have asked why floating. And I say, I wanted my son to have a cool power because... Didn't want him to have a negative power, you know. Mm-hmm. I still see him as a positive thing, and in some cases, autism is a superpower. And again, I wanted it to be positive, and so floating became that. It was a positive look, and it also visually made him look different from the other children. Yeah, and the music in the background is super cool too. It's just perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we. So you know, and the audience will now know, is that we intentionally made Alex the piano. Like, it's very innocent. He has this, the song sounds like, dun, 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 dun. It's very innocent. Yeah. And the father, whenever you hear the father, he's a drum beat. He's boom, boom. Uh-huh. Like, like, so at the end, you'll see when they come together, you'll have piano and drums. Oh, cool. Like they come together. So that's, uh, I thought that was cool too. I yeah. remember when we were doing it, I was like, no, we need more drums at the end, man. Cause now dad's with him. So, so yeah. I'm going to go back and watch it now and pay attention to that. Yeah. You'll notice it when they start swinging. Okay. You'll hear that they're together now. Yeah. We have a question from one of our listeners. Okay. This one is actually from a member of our staff, Liz Castillo, who's a big fan. Okay. Hi, Liz. (laughs) (laughs) She was so excited that you would be on our show. So she wants to know, what kind of response did you get from the community when Float was released? Oh, it was amazing. It was huge. And the biggest ones that I took to heart were the ones who just recently got the diagnosis Hmm. because those I knew where they were. I knew how lost they felt at the time. And they reached out to me and told me how much it helped them feel like they weren't alone. Yeah. That everything that the dad went through where he's like looking at the park and seeing all the normal kids, typical normal kids and him like, longing for that and then even the eruption that happens if they haven't done it they felt it in their heart you know the frustration and so i've gotten a lot of notes from from parents and even siblings which was nice too yeah because you know even the whole family goes through it all and I mean, I, I've even had people who have already been through the process. But like I said, like the ones that hit me the most is the, are the ones who just got the diagnosis. Because I try in every one of those instances to always contact them back. Hmm. 
to let them know that, yeah, I was there. I know it. I know what you're going through right now. And I mean, know that you're just not alone. Yeah. Know that I was in that journey too. And I'd like to say things will get better, but I don't know when. So I don't want to give that guarantee, you know? Mm -hmm. I've been told that too, because at Pixar, we go to a children's hospital whenever we can. And we were always told, like, never, just never guarantee anything because you can't, you know, Mm -hmm. but try to make their day better just by being there at that moment. And so that's what I try to do. I try to say, hey, I've had this experience. I'm going to try to entertain you, try to get your mind off of it today and right now. But uh, yeah. But again, I can't guarantee. Yeah. But you're also serving as a model or an inspiration in a way to let people know that kind of facing your feelings, looking at it like, yes, I feel this way, is one of the steps to acceptance. Right, 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 right. Yeah, because that was the point of the short too. Because the dad was going to take Alex away out of the park. And he was going to take him back home. Had he crossed out, had he gone outside, life would have been the same. Mm-hmm. It would have been the same, like hiding out always and not accepting. But the dad makes a choice. I'm not going to go outside of this. I am going to accept my responsibilities. I am going to accept my son for who he is. I am going to let him be himself. And so that's when the dad takes off. To all his ja- his jacket and lets him be himself because before he was like hiding him, putting rocks in his pocket, not letting him fly, not letting him be himself. So, yes, that is the path to acceptance: is to let go and let your emotions out there. You can't bottle it. You gotta let it go and accept. Mm-hmm. What does your son think of the film? Uh, he's 13. So he's like a typical teenager. He's like, eh, it's all right, dad. <laughs> <laughs> what does he understand of his autism? He knows that he has it. He knows he's different from other children, but I don't think it affects him much in that to me, at least it doesn't I don't see any depression in him. It just seems like he's kind of accepted it and he goes about his day. So I don't know whether it's he's still too young or and and nothing traumatic really has happened yet. But so far, things are good. Do you know if some of his peers have said anything to him about the movie? My son, he, he hates he hates the spotlight. He hates it. There was an incident when when it first came out, he was in gym class and the gym teacher wanted to show the kids this cool short he just saw. And my son was like off in a bathroom break. And when he came back, he saw the kids watching it and he got upset. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is, I don't think the kids knew that it was about him. Oh. But Alex knew it was about him. Did the gym teacher know? No. Oh, wow. What a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. So 
again, it was more him knowing and like him hating the spotlight. Yeah. So he was upset. So he needed some time to calm down. So he has like a therapist who comes in and, and helps him calm down and continue about his day. It took him a while, but mm-hmm. yeah. But that was it. It's been out for a year now. And that was the only incident that I've heard of where it affected him that deeply. But other than that, I think he's fine. So Bobby, you were born in the U.S., right? Yes. And did your parents migrate from the Philippines? Yes. My father is from Ilocos Norte and my mother's from Manila. Okay. Got it. Yeah. And as I mentioned to you earlier, my mom is Filipino and she migrated to the U.S. when she was in her 20s. So I grew up in California. Nice. First generation Filipino American. I can totally relate. (laughs) And my dad is, he's white. He's from Tennessee. Oh, okay. But the mix makes me look Mexican. But uh-huh. <laughs> I like to think that my heart is Filipino. You know, I grew up very much with Filipino culture and I can speak Tagalog and, oh. and all of that. Can you? No, I cannot. Okay. But I pick up all the small words like time to eat, like kayana. <laughs> I know that one. The important ones, right? I know the important ones, yes. Have you ever been to the Philippines? I have never been to the Philippines. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, a bunch of times growing up. Yeah. Wow, you're more up on me because you got, you know, Tagalog and you know, in the Philippines. <laughs> I have never and I can't speak it. Well, it's because we had some family members still there. Oh, okay. Most of my family's in LA actually, but growing up, we would go visit my mom's sister. Oh, nice. That's nice. And go on like family vacations and stuff. So, yeah. So, what do you know about how autism is understood in the Filipino community? Only from what I've experienced, it's not that I've read up on it, but I mean, from what I've experienced, I think it's still a taboo, which is unfortunate. But I understand in that when I was a kid, there was none. And like, or it was super rare. I never heard of a child on the autism spectrum. So now... I mean, there's a handful that I already know of that are in our community, our Filipino community. So it must be different and difficult for older generations to grasp and understand. My hope is I get the younger generation and that they understand it so that it becomes like normal. Like I see it kind of like, you know, how Ellen has her show and she's homosexual and when she first started it was like ooh like it was taboo but now it's like oh it's ellen <laughs> you know yeah i'm hoping that's the same with this that float goes into our homes it introduces you to the idea you see the journey that the father goes through and the son you see what it's like and hopefully you get an understanding and build some kind of empathy for the father. And so next time when you go out and you see a relative that is on, that's dealing with somebody on the spectrum or is on the spectrum, then that you have some empathy and you know what's going on. So you don't treat them differently because they don't want to be 
treated differently. They just want to be treated normally, you know? Yeah. So I'm hoping we get to that point. And I know it's not there yet, but steps, steps forward. Yeah, steps and it's projects like this, you know, that'll really push awareness and acceptance. Yes. And yeah, and and, and your podcast as well. Like it's every little bit yeah. that like gets out there into the community and raises awareness. And then again, hopefully in five, 10, 15 years, it's like whatever. <laughs> yeah. So you have you're on the spectrum. All right, whatever. Come here. Like let's hang out. I don't care. It's no big deal. Yeah. So you were saying that it's kind of taboo in the Filipino community to talk about autism. I think actually to talk about kind of maybe any problems in general, but... Oh, yeah, right? Right. But yeah, disabilities like mental health, I feel like there's still this kind of saving face Yes. of like, especially to the public. Maybe people will confide in very close relationships. Mm-hmm. But from what I've seen, it's very much like if you have a problem, you hold it in. Yes. But what I will say to that too, again, I think it is the older generation. Mm. I think it's your generation and the ones that will come after that are open to telling how they feel and their mental health. I see it. I see it. I know my generation, I'm a, I'm a bit older than you, but um, <laughs> but we still hold it. But I think we're getting there. We're letting it go too as well. But I see your generation. It's definitely pushing. Push for more mental health to let it be normal, mm-hmm. that we can confide in one another. And so I have hope for the future. I definitely have hope for the future. What did your family think of the film, like your extended family? Uh, I think they, they loved it, but you know what? Maybe it's because we are Filipinos. It's like, it's not like we had a deep thought uh, or a deep conversation afterwards. It's like, good job. Like it's, <laughs> right. It's not like, I never realized you went through that, Bobby. That's incredible. Well, let's talk more about that. Or like, it was nothing like that, but you know, that's okay. It's okay. And my family was really good. My close family was really good when I told all my told them about Alex's diagnosis, and they all treat him like all the other nephews. So it's good. My my family's been good. So your characters are the first lead Filipinos portrayed in a digital format, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is that like for you? What does it mean for you to see your culture represented on screen? It means the world to me because I could count on one hand all the Filipinos I saw growing up on TV and on screen. And I know, I know it's the beginning of more to come. And not just from me, but from other Filipinx creators out there. And I, I'm just proud that I helped break the barrier and that this is the landmark film that did it. And so it's nice. But we got a lot more to go. <laughs> it was a lot more to do. Yeah. And another little fun fact about Filipino culture is that they care a lot about careers and professional status. So right. how did your family react when you decided to pursue a career as an animator? 
surprisingly very well because I've heard the I've heard the other stories of parents saying no uh you got to be a doctor a lawyer an engineer a, a nurse, nurse. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and i get it because they don't want you to starve mm. and they want you to have a good life and being an artist at the time was pretty much saying yeah i'm going to go starve <laughs> but i think times have changed because when i was growing up it was in the 80s 70s and 80s and so there wasn't really a lot of good cartoons out there and good comics or good art but now i think with pixar and disney and and you know and now that there's float that you can argue with your parents like oh yeah look at him he's actually doing pretty <laughs> good and he's an artist so why can't you let me do this in when i was a kid there was none yeah. I couldn't go, oh, look at that guy. Look at, he's doing it, mom. Come on, let me do this. I credit my mother, who was very supportive from the beginning. Maybe it's because I wasn't good at much other than drawing. <laughs> you know, like I didn't show interest in, in nursing. I didn't show interest in in numbers. So I couldn't be, or 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 be a lawyer. I didn't show any interest in that. I think she recognized that I had a gift and she nurtured it. it today's my mom's birthday. so Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Mama Rubio. <laughs> yeah. So I was reflecting this morning and thinking about her and how awesome she is. And yeah, it could have been another outcome had I had different parents. It could have been, we never might've had float. We never would have had this. So yeah, grateful for my mom and everything she's done for me. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> well, Bobby, we have another question from Liz. She wants to know if you plan on doing more creative work that continues sharing your connection with autism. Yes, because now I feel like there's a purpose in front of me. I won't guarantee that all my projects will, but I do want a handful of them to be autism-centric, special needs-centric, because I started on this path and I don't want people that came along with, with me on this journey to go like, oh, that's it? <laughs> like, mm. No, 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 there's, well, there'll be more. But again, not all of my projects will be. For that community. Understandable, but you can see just how much of an impact Float has had. Yes, I, I did. So yeah. Yeah, but you know what? We could also have fun and <laughs> do some awesome fun stuff too. Yeah. All right, Bobby. So I'd like to close with one last question. You know, and we mentioned earlier that at the beginning of your film, the father appears to be embarrassed by his son's behavior, like by putting the rocks in his backpack to keep him from flying. So what advice would you give to parents who may be struggling with accepting their child's autism? I'd say, know that you're not alone. And I know that's going to seem weird because when you're in it, you feel so isolated and like you're the only one going through this grief and this feelings of inadequacy, I suppose that's the word, <laughs> or any feelings that you're going through, anger, it's, it's, what I've discovered, it's very much like grief 
you're going through the steps, isn't it? There's like a steps yeah. of grief. like Exactly. So understand you're going to go through it and you're going to feel it all. And it's okay to feel it all. But it's also okay to get help. That is probably one of the biggest things I would say. Mm-hmm. You don't have to face it alone. And I could admit, I, I was that guy. I was like, no, nah, I can handle this. I can totally handle this. It took my wife to say, you really need some help. You really could talk to somebody and, and somebody professional about it. And so I did. I did get some professional help. Now, mind you, not everybody needs this. Because like I said, my wife was fine. Um, <laughs> if people are telling you that you need some help, then you probably need some <laughs> help. And it's okay. It's okay to get help. That's what I want to tell you. Yeah. I'll leave it with that. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Oh, thank you, Rachel. And I hope people got something out of this. Oh, definitely. It was great talking with you. And I hope everyone out there is safe and healthy and can get through these weird times. And especially, I know it's difficult when you have a kid on the spectrum and now everything's thrown in disarray. Mm-hmm. and you're at, left at home, know that you're not alone and listen to podcasts like these and seek help and and uh, and we'll get through this together. Yeah. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for tuning in to Autism Knows No Borders. Although I'm not a parent, let alone an autism parent, I understand the desire to protect children from judgment and rejection. Of course, parents want their children to be included and treated fairly. However, there's a fine line between protection and conformity. Forcing a child to be like everyone else can inhibit their growth and self-expression. In the film Float, the father tries to avoid curious stares from his neighbors by concealing his son's autism while longing for a, quote, normal life. Once he finally embraces his son's differences as superpowers, both of them are liberated from society's pressure to fit in. A world of inclusion starts with children being accepted by their biggest allies, their parents. If you're a parent, are there any rocks left in your child's backpack? How can you let your child float? Thanks for listening. Take care. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community. You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders, brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at autismknowsnoborders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please kindly rate the show and leave a review. By doing so, You'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism around the world.